Hi, I'm Ted Douglas from Portland, Oregon. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Bob Powers. Here he is reading from his Choose Your Own Adventure book, You Are a Miserable Excuse for a Hero. This is called A Note on Being in Your 30s and Having Accomplished Very Little. In this book, you get to be the main character in an exciting kidnapping adventure that you want no part of. You're a 33-year-old struggling actor with very little hope of ever being successful, and you feel like time is running out for you to make something of yourself. With every passing day, you are that much closer to giving up, and every choice feels weighted with the possibility that it will send you down a path to failure. Your friends have all settled into lucrative careers that you resent and fruitful marriages that you envy, while you've done everything you can to commit to nothing for fear of limiting your options. For you, as long as you choose to do nothing, anything is possible. Enter Julia. She's the pretty girl you went out with last night and she's been kidnapped. It's up to you and you alone to rescue her. The ensuing adventure will force you to make a series of choices that will not only determine the life or death of an innocent girl, but will force you to add focus to your career and your love life in ways that you've been avoiding ever since you got out of college. Be very careful. You're directing the story and the choices you make can result in murder, graduate school enrollment, Torture, marriage, post-apocalyptic slavery, unwanted pregnancy, even temping. It's your story and your life. All you've got to do is decide which page you want to turn to. Just make a choice. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is Bob Powers. He's a superstar celebrity internet blogger, comedy writer, and the author of two books, the most recent of which is called You Are a Miserable Excuse for a Hero. It's billed as book one in the Just Make a Choice series which is a series of uh, books not unlike the Choose Your Own Adventure series of books, although I presume for contractual or legal reasons not part of said series of books, uh, only for people who don't really know what to do with their lives uh, and uh, who are getting to that point in their life where they realize they'd better do something. Uh, Bob, welcome to The Sound of Young America. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Okay, so this is uh, uh, every bit the adventure book that a choose-your-own-adventure book is. It's, right. Uh, it's uh, kicked off with an exciting kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also nothing at all like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Right. Um, what was, from what was the concept for this book born? It started when uh, I... My friend Rich uh, used to run a humor magazine out of uh, New York for a few years. He he edited it uh, called Jest Magazine, and um, it was kind of just born out of a, an edit meeting where he was, I, it might have even been his idea, or I don't know whose idea it was. 
you want to try to write a funny choose your own adventure you know so it first appeared in that magazine uh, in in short form and some of the um, chapters in the book uh, started there and then after that I just um, you know I realized that it could make a really really fun book and I used to love those uh, choose your own when I was a kid so and now in a choose your own adventure book a, a young person goes on an exciting adventure often there's a complicated mystery involved mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of globe trotting mm-hmm. why did you set this in the world of the uh, early 30s layabout i guess it was all i could think about uh, <laughs> <laughs> was it a right what you know situation pretty much pretty much or definitely the obsession of worrying over you know about the fact that you kind of have I you know you have to start making choices at some point or else you're just going to end up with very little to show for yourself and uh that got that made it uh a lot of fun I mean that it's almost it made it kind of curve in on itself because the you know it's a choose your own adventure but it's also about how terrifying it is to make a choice in real life and uh and the choices actually you know, affect your or you get you actually get consequences from these choices. So you might <laughs> save the girl, but you might still you'll still have a horrible job because you had to give up something to do that or something like that. You know, it's kind of sad, really. It, yeah, sad and funny. <laughs> when you when you first when you first decide whether to borrow the ransom money from your parents, you don't realize that the consequence really is going to be having to have lunch with your parents who hate each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you find out uh and you yeah, you find out they they take out their own divorce on you or they're they're divorcing while uh while you're asking them or whatever. They're fighting over the fact that they are divorcing. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is go and uh have lunch with them, but then you have to ask them for the $50,000 or you won't have the ransom. So So were you at a point in your life in, in the past 5 years or so where you realized that you had to make some choices as a as a comic who is not a stand-up? Did you realize that you had to make some make some picks? Yeah. Uh, I feel like my, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still wonder if I really made any, uh, (laughs) or if they just, if I just lucked into some, because basically, yeah, for the first like seven years or so of doing comedy, I was just sort of all over the place. I wasn't really doing stand up. Uh, it was very long winded. It didn't, you know, I would try to get, you know, into clubs and whatnot and it never went over very well and <laughs> and i was also writing a lot of stuff just for the page but never any kind of uh uh nothing with, with no audience in mind with no audience in mind with no plan for how this could ever become something that could you know someone would could be like hey we could there's a reason someone should hear this you know well, I mean, or I, read I, this you mentioned jest magazine and it's uh 3 years of publishing which basically makes it the longest running humor writing magazine true. ever in american history yeah I'd, i'm not sure how uh trust funded the publisher was of that magazine but uh <laughs> apparently well yeah he definitely had something in the bank to keep it going that long you actually started in, in the world of uh the world that is classified typically as performance. Yeah, I guess, man. Um, well, and, what were you doing on what were you doing on stage when you first started performing? Wow, uh, it was, yeah, it it 
was kind of, I wasn't really sure that I was doing comedy, honestly. It ended up, it usually ended up having something funny about it, but I guess it was more like performance art uh, to embarrass myself, um, to, uh, <laughs> spoken wordy type stuff. It was a lot of monologues. Then just stunts. There was one time where I uh, had everyone in the audience line up and uh, I'd, I'd written out a list of my flaws and I had them all line up, come up to the mic, read one of my flaws and then spit in my face. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> and... Uh, it went over like gangbusters. Yeah, they they loved it. <laughs> you know, like maybe a, a year ago, I interviewed Steve Albini, and he talked about being in college, and uh, and at one point he he was in a performance art class, and he decided his performance was going to be he would get like a piece of plexiglass, mm-hmm. and then everyone in the class would come, and they could bring something to throw at him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, what he didn't count on was that the plexiglass broke almost immediately. And also, someone had brought <laughs> someone had brought a brick that they had impregnated with phlegm. Oh, wow! Um, so See, he, at least I asked for it. Yeah. So my my question is: Did any of these performances have consequences that you did not anticipate? I well, I know I left that one unbelievably depressed. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I didn't count on that. I yeah, I got everyone was like, "Wow, that was really something." And uh, then I walked home. And I was like, and I just. Yeah, I felt like a room full of people who just spent my <laughs> Luckily, most of them just, uh, you know, they pulled, drank some soda and then, like, did a spit take on me. But several others didn't. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone have mono? I don't. I didn't get sick. Okay, uh, well, that's so, there's, it's yeah. a time to count your blessings. But that can, you know, that can just sit in the system for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> so, I know. so you, what you're suggesting is that you may be giving me mono right I now. I could be, you know. Since know. we're kissing and everything. That's true. And, you know, and we're holding hands. It's radio, so they can't see that we're tongue that's kissing. That's true. I have several open wounds on my uh, hand, too, <laughs> so you should let go. Um, so how did you move from this vague world of performance to the idea that, oh, what I'm doing is comedy? Um, I started hanging around with more comedians. I started as... Why did you start hanging around with more comedians? I was, I was going to an open mic where it was sort of on, it was on the borderline of, uh, you know, of comedy and performance and tons of comedians just started uh, showing up and it, and it actually made the show great like it was very eclectic and um uh you know you didn't know what was going to happen next but the next guy could be a hilarious stand-up and then the next guy could be someone who's being spat on or whatever but uh it made for a great show gradually i just gravitated towards the comics because i they're funnier <laughs> <laughs> and uh more the more i was hanging out with them the more the more I was hanging in a stand-up crowd, the more uh, it I realized that I was doing comedy and that my act changed. For all of stand-up comedy's sort of openness and breadth in of form, it's also very demanding in that um, in a classic stand-up comedy context, in a comedy club or something like that, you really have to get a certain number of laughs per X length of time in order to basically in order to stay on stage right. was that an adjustment f- for you to think oh i'm actually going to have to do some of this stand up comedy stuff that to this point i've been able to rely on uh 
artsiness in between jokes. It was, yes, it was an adjustment that I never completed. (laughs) (laughs) It it never quite took. I mean, I started developing just, you know, a a straight stand-up act. But I ended up, for whatever reasons, uh, just falling out of it. I I didn't keep it going. I mean, to... I mean, I think I could have, but I really don't think you're uh, a really great stand-up unless you're, you know, unless you have single-minded focus for years and years, you know, um, or you, you, or at least you don't have a, uh, an act yet. For, well, so, and you had other stuff to do. You had to list your flaws. Yeah. You had to uh, make up. You had to make up fake holidays yeah. for your blog. Girls are pretty, which later became the book. A happy Cruelty Day. Yeah. So you had a lot of stuff on your plate besides just stand-up. Right. I think the blog came once I started ad- admitting to myself, I'm probably going to give up performing soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just stay inside for, for a good portion of the day and see what happens. More with Bob Powers in just a minute on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Seattleites, The Sound of Young America will be at the Bumbershoot Music and Arts Festival this year. That's coming up this Labor Day weekend. We'll have three all-new, all-different shows there, including performances from Greg Barrett, Tignataro, The Human Giant, Powerful Power, and many, many others. Even Jonathan Colton's going to stop by. It's going to be a lot of fun, cool interviews, a lot of cool stuff. Buy your $12,000 tickets now, and then waste your time seeing me instead of Becker. Whatever. For more information, visit Bumbershoot.com. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Bob Powers. His new Choose Your Own Adventure book is called You Are a Miserable Excuse for a Hero. Why do you think you've gravitated so much uh, towards these f- forms that are uh, very non-traditional for comedy writing? I mean, like I, a- as we joked about earlier, the Pure comedy piece is something that is, you know, one and a half pages in The New Yorker Mm -hmm. and was briefly part of the briefly relaunched magazine Cracked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really a it's very much a niche product. Right. Um, Whereas the sitcom spec script, for example, Uh is uh, where most comedy writers are putting most of their energy. Right. How did you end up writing uh, funny books and blog posts rather than, you know, moving to Los Angeles to try to write for, almost said Frasier, but that's been canceled for a long time. That's a terrible, (laughs) that shows you how much, how much I watch America's sitcoms. Uh Two Two Men and a Baby, is that a show? No, to two and a half men. Yeah, and no, it's not a show. Okay, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's yes, a, that's it's, a show. It's an abortion. No, that's not, not a, a comedy. <laughs> exactly, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a car accident. Um, I actually did. I was in L.A. for several years. Um, as I was learning that I'm not a stand-up, I did a lot of that learning while I was in L.A. and. Uh, Right when I was about, to, again, this is an example of how I didn't quite make the, I'm not sure that I really made the choices uh, that, <laughs> that led to all this. It's like, well, the blog is pretty much where it all started, where all the the, the books came about. Um, I 
the way girls are pretty started, uh, which is, you know, every day a made up holiday. And then I tell you what to celebrate on that day. Way back in like 1999, me and my comedian friends, uh, one of my friends had created a, like a Yahoo calendar so that we could all like, you know, uh, find out where we're all performing all week. You and know? where all the hot gigs are. Exactly. Yeah. It was the early days. It was, it was web. Point five back then, and uh, uh-huh. like the Yahoo calendar was an amazing achievement. But uh, yeah, because before you'd been doing all this on Usenet, <laughs> you've been yes. using Usenet news groups. We've been taking the phone and <laughs> putting, like, it, putting it into the, the what, what you before thing. before you were just characters in the Matthew Broderick film War, War Games. Games. Yes, <laughs> global thermonuclear <laughs> comedy. Um, <laughs> uh, but. I immediately defaced that calendar. Uh, like I, um, the way I basically just wanted, decided as a prank, uh, the minute it was launched to just fill every day of the, of the calendar with made up holidays. Uh, and, um, I kept doing it and I was like, this is, this is a lot of fun. I, I really like this. Um, and I actually thought, uh, well, first, I was immediately banned from the calendar, and uh, I think it might have dissolved immediately as well. But uh, then I just want—I thought it w- I always thought that would be a great idea for like a page a day calendar or something like that. Uh, some kind of, you know, I was actually thinking, I, I, this is it's, this could be profitable, and I never followed through on it. Uh, <laughs> and then blogging came to be, and uh, I. I had no idea how to use the web uh, to create a website, and so the, I still had that idea in my head, and I realized I could do it without any training or uh, learning anything with uh, by creating a blog. And uh, <laughs> that, so then I just started doing Girls Are Pretty, really no purpose beyond. I don't even know why I kept doing it, but I did it every day for like I didn't miss a day for like three and a half years, and uh, I'm not sure. Why I just decided the project won't well, it's be important. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be anything if I, for some reason, I decided it wouldn't be worth anything if I skipped a day. Like I, I, and I kind of, I, I think at least people who came every day agreed. But uh, are are there days? Uh, are you are there days that you look back on particularly fondly? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Uh, there's uh well one of my favorites is fill your pockets with glitter and confetti and then step in front of a speeding bus deck. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the story is pretty much in the title. There. Yeah. Uh, um there's uh uh 14 ways to tell a Cajun chef to go f himself day. Um <laughs> uh the very first one I I wrote that that I put on the site was tell people you took a friend for an abortion day. <laughs> and that was a very quick one <laughs> where when they say, do, do I know the friend? You're just supposed to say, I, I really shouldn't be talking about this. <laughs> that's the end of the holiday there. <laughs> that's again, terrifyingly sad. <laughs> I guess I, yeah, I guess so. Let's talk. I just think it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk for a second about. Um, uh, let's get back to your new book, which is right. you're a, you're a miserable you're a miserable excuse for a hero. Now, did you have to did you have to take like a speed course in the mechanics of of writing a um, uh, of writing a, a choose your own adventure book? I wish. 
<laughs> that would have been very helpful. Uh, you paged and paged through that learning annex catalog. I did, I did read the old ones. I, I bought a, a bunch of the old ones just to see what kind of rules they follow and everything. And by the way, the old ones still hold up. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was right. I would be riding the subways <laughs> to work and you know have my fingers all through the pages. But yeah, so I, you could go back in case you died. For, in case anyone doesn't uh, oh, yeah. know about the choose your own event, how one reads it. One skips ahead and tries to go as many steps forward as possible without dying uh, right. before actually picking something. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But also just at every turn, there's, yeah, there's two. Yeah, I guess you explained it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the but, premise of the book is you're going to cheat. That's what that's, I'm trying to true. explain. That's true. That's true. But also you just want to go back if, you know, you make at, at the end of every chapter, there are two choices. So even if you aren't cheating... You want to go back and find, you know, if you die at the end of that one, you have to go back and find the uh, the other choice that you didn't Point make. taken. Yeah. Did people have an I opinion? I don't cheat is what I'm saying, Jesse. When you were in public, when you were in public reading these children's books from the late 1970s and early <laughs> 1980s, uh, did, did you get any reaction from I it? I got nonstop applause, just people. Yeah, no. I figured as much. I guess, I mean, it's because it's honorable. I've, Again, it's important with a capital I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone really noticed. Uh, everyone <laughs> just kept their heads down. But um, I, it was very hard to actually write the thing, definitely. And I ended up just... Uh, I wrote it almost just as separate things, individual chapters that I wanted to happen someplace. And then I took the big pile and just tried to see how I could string them together. So a lot of the chapters are kind of self-contained little stories, but... I cheated. I tacked on like something to close out to connect it to the choice you just made just a little bit at least and then uh um take you take you through that one and then get you through the next choice. I imagined you writing the entire book on like a Mac classic in Hypercard. <laughs> I imagined Hypercard as being the medium for writing this. Uh, and I, just to be clear, I also imagined you writing it in my sixth grade computer class. Wow. You, did, did we know each other back then? Um, in this scenario, yes, yeah, we did. Yeah. In fact, I think we were the same person in this scenario, wow. although I'm still a little hazy on it. I'm still working out a few of the minor and major details. What is, uh, is HyperCard like hypertext? Yeah, like, well, you uh, never used HyperCard on a computer? Hypercard. Maybe you were just a little bit, maybe we're just our five years of demographic difference are probably what's getting in our way here. Maybe. HyperCard was something that I used in sixth grade to create a, an animated adventure where you were chasing the Minotaur through the maze. Uh-huh. Trying to catch the Minotaur. But basically, it was like a hypertext, but right. on a computer. This was when the internet barely existed. Gotcha. This was your, you know, your gopher period of the right. internet. Well, even when the internet did exist, I'm not sure I would have been creating animated Minotaur adventures. I'm, uh, at, at, I don't know. I, I think I would have thought... It was too advanced for me to do. <laughs> but to be clear, it was it was probably worth me using about four or five minutes of this interview, and thus the people <laughs> who's listening's life to talk about to talk are, about hypercard. Hypercard right? software is presently fl- it's number one at Amazon right now. People are just <laughs> that's the sound of young America bump, my friend. That is like the monster power that I wield in the media industry. Uh-huh. Now Oprah Oprah can have literature. I'll take. 
hypercar. Outdated yes. computer software. Mm-hmm. I, I bet I bet it just got bought by Seriously. Sergey Brin or something. Y- you won't believe what happened to... I started talking about WordStar on the show one day. <laughs> <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. So did you actually have to chart out the plot of the book in order to make it to us? Okay, how many how many ends of the book are there? I think there there I there are at least thirty. There might be over thirty. There's over thirty endings. Yes, I think so. So they, these are all short adventures. I kept wondering why I kept getting sh- such short adventures. And there are some long ones, I think. There, really, you, you, there wasn't you, you an kept, attack hitting, on you, <laughs> Bob. I, I, I said, in, I, I immediately went to grab the book. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. There's like nine chapters in this one. <laughs> Come on, you go into the apocalypse. Did you did you decide going in how many of the how many of the endings you wanted wanted to, wanted to have uh, turn out good and how many of them you wanted to have turn no, out bad? No, uh, as evidenced by the fact that I'm not sure how many there might not be that many <laughs> that turn out good. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they mostly might turn. There are some definite good ones, but even then, they're not that good. But no, I didn't. I didn't really. But we're talking quality-wise, or oh, not, no, they're all fantastic. Okay. Quality-wise, just wanted to double check. <laughs> but uh, I didn't want your bad mouth in your own book here. In terms of a uh, yeah, in terms of a satisfying, or I mean, not to the reader, to the character, um, a happy ending. Let's do you, say. Do you feel like this career that you have, book author, having written your second book, I think you now get to be call yourself an author if someone asks you what you do. Awesome. Um, do you feel like you have gotten to a place where you have made the choices you need to make? Yeah, actually, recent. Yes, I think I am. Yes, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, uh, things. But yeah, things have been working out pretty good, and do I'm you, happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. Can you uh, can you offer advice? I'm sure out there in the audience are dozens of people who. Uh, may wake up one day uh, after uh, going on a really good date to find out that the person they went on a really good date with uh, got kidnapped and there's a $50,000 ransom. Can you offer some advice to those people, not just about that specific scenario, but about making choices in their life? How can they go from aimless to aimed? That's a person who has aimed. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an adjective meaning like, has oh, God, That's a Greek god, isn't it? I don't no. know what that means. <laughs> um, uh, I'd say just uh, you know, there's you might as well make the choice. There's a good. It's probably not going to turn out that great. <laughs> so, but it's not going to turn out great if you uh, don't make the choice. So, as a, yeah, as evidenced by the book, they mostly turn out. Uh, <laughs> My life isn't better just because I saved someone from kidnappers, but it's not going to be better if you don't either. So, <laughs> well, Bob, except people will look down on you. Bob, thank you so much for offering that Tony Robbins-like inspiration <laughs> to all. My tapes are available. To uh, all of the people out there, Bob Powers is the author of "You Are a Miserable Excuse for a Hero." It's book one in the "Just Make a Choice" series. Remember your choice. Your stories, more than 30 different ways to ruin everything. Bob, thank you so much for being on the San Diego America. Thank you, Jesse.
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. This week's show was edited by Nick White. My intern is Chris Bowman. My dog is Coco the Brown Dog. We'll see you online at MaximumFun.org on the forums and the blog. On our other podcasts, and if you want via email, my email's jesse at maximumfun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. <laughs>